Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to the Get Fit Guys Quick and Dirty Tips to Get Moving and Shape Up. My name is Brock Armstrong and I am the Get Fit Guy. On this episode, author Christy Ashwanden joins me to discuss whether some of the most popular recovery methods and devices actually help us bounce back from hard workouts or if they just add stress to our day and also to our bank account. So let's take a light-hearted guided tour of the wacky world of things like cryotherapy, float tanks, not-so-hot saunas, and even some space-age pajamas. <laughs> we'll also chat about recovery and what that means for your fitness routine. But first, Christy Ashwinden is an award-winning journalist who has been a lead science writer at 538 and the Washington Post. Her writing has also appeared in Outside, Discover, Smithsonian, and O. Christy is also the co-host of a podcast called Emerging Form, which is a podcast about the creative process. Now, in the world of fitness and sport, Christy was a high school state champion in the 1600-meter run, a national cycling champion, and an elite cross-country skier with Team Rossignol. She now lives and occasionally races in western Colorado. And I recently had the opportunity to interview her all about her book, which is called Good to Go, What the Athlete in All of Us Can Learn from the Strange Science of Recovery. In Good to Go, Christy looks at some of, well, my favorite recovery tricks, methods, and devices with what I would describe as an air of skepticism, but also true science. Now, back in the day, recovery used to be relatively simple. We would just take a day off and rest and let our bodies get themselves ready to perform again. But lately, recovery has become a costly source of stress. As Christy says in her book, we have, and I quote, managed to make every aspect of it vastly more complicated, expensive, and time-consuming. All right, enough talk from me. Let's jump into my interview with Christy Ashwinden. Before we get into all the nitty-gritty about recovery and what we should and shouldn't be doing, Christy, can you give everybody just a little bit of your background and where you came from? Sure, no problem. I started off as a runner. I've been a lifelong runner, actually. It's the one thing that has been sort of the continual thread throughout my athletic career. Uh, I started running in high school, went on to become a runner at University of Colorado. But during my collegiate career, I actually got injured and started cycling. And so I joined the collegiate cycling team, started doing that. I also learned to cross-country ski, which is something that I had never done before. I had grown up alpine skiing. Um, but anyway, after college, I 
bike race pretty seriously. And then I went on to join the Rossignol ski team. So I skied on a pro team, uh, traveling all over North America, as well as Europe, racing for that. Wow. So definitely a lifelong athlete of one sort or another. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, isn't isn't a surprise. Having read most of the book, I have to confess I haven't quite finished it. It is a great read and it's really, really interesting stuff, but it's pretty dense. Interesting. I haven't heard that before. That's interesting to hear. Well, I'm the guy who follows every single footnote to uh-huh. them. Well, I'm glad. And there's a lot of footnotes. Because there are. Yeah, I do have a lot of footnotes. I do a lot of sourcing and all that. So it pleases me to know that you're following those because I I put those in there in hopes that people would look into all of those things. That being said, I'm not quite finished the book because there is a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of information. So we're going to try and keep it a little bit uh, a little bit higher level and not get bogged down in in the weeds because we we sure could in i mean just icing alone we could do right three episodes about uh-huh. it but i guess before we really get into stuff why why did you decide to write a, an entire book and and really uh heavily research and it seems like you probably spent years talking to people getting the stories and stuff for this book but why recovery why was that such a passion for you it seems kind of weird on the surface right a whole book about recovery but that question has a couple of answers i mean i think the first answer is just going back to me and my background when i look back on my athletic career recovery is really the one thing that I sort of never really managed to master. Mm. And when I look back at all of the things that happened throughout my career, um, you know, I had a history of overtraining, uh, a lot of injuries and illness. And I realize now, and I sort of, you know, eventually learned this and came to understand this about myself in the latter stages of my career. Um, But recovery was really one thing that I never got right. And it was something that I didn't give as much attention as it probably deserved. And I fell into that very common pattern of thinking that more is better. And, you know, I just need to work harder and that the payoffs are always going to be better performance. When in fact, you know, I know now and learned during my career that very often uh, rest is the best thing you can do for your performance. So that was the first thread. But then the other thing is sort of in the time between when I stopped being, you know, a serious elite athlete and now, what I've noticed is that it has become sort of this product and this subject mm-hmm. of very intense marketing. And as a science journalist uh, by vocation, you know, I, this is the kind of thing that I look into all the time. And so I was really interested in sort of the marketing of recovery and the genesis of all of these products and services that are purporting to improve recovery and to help athletes master recovery. You know, and I I feel like if I had been an athlete at the time when these things were were out, I may have been, you know, interested in trying some of those. So I I did that as a journalist and I really approached it. I approached recovery and I approached the topic as a journalist to really say, what do we really know here? What does the science say? And, And does any of this stuff really work? And that is the biggest question right there. Does any of this stuff really work? I think you said in the book, it's like a $5 billion industry at this point, the recovery industry or something like that. Yeah, it's really hard to put a number on it because there are so many different um, types of products that fall under this and and there's so much different kinds of marketing. No one's actually tracking it. You know, there are all these economic you know, groups and, and things that track these things, but it's not a category in and of itself. So you have the hydration stuff, you have all the sort of physical therapy type tools, you have uh, nutritional products, and then all kinds of things like, you know, cryo saunas and, mm-hmm. and uh, infrared saunas and pneumatic compression boots and, and a lot of devices and products like that as well. 
Yeah, it's kind of it really does go all over the place and and one of the common themes that that comes up on this podcast and and in most athletes lives or or fitness people's lives is there's sort of two problems as I see it when people are are getting interested in becoming an athlete or getting fit even is that some people don't know where to start and other right. people don't know where to stop. <laughs> and I think what we're going to talk about today is more for the the second grouping of that. Yeah, I like I like how you frame that a lot. And you know, I have a whole chapter in the book about overtraining, and it's such a common problem, particularly among endurance athletes, although among strength athletes as well. And it's just something I, I think that um, you know, it's a common thing that kind of thinking that people fall into, which is more is better. And the response to poor performance is more training. You know, one of the most important things athletes need to realize and to learn is what it feels like for their body, you know, to be overtired. What does it feel like to be under recovered? And when do you know that it's time to back off instead of push harder? Well, and that leads really nicely actually into the next thing that I wanted to ask you about was who is it that really needs to worry about this type of thing? Like, is it just the professional athlete? Is it just the the elite athlete or the weekend warrior? Or is it really anybody who's forcing their body or, or asking something from their body that's a little more unusual? I think, you know, there's a tendency to think that recovery is only something that matters for elites or for people who are training mm-hmm. a great deal. But it turns out that um, it can be very important for sort of weekend warrior types as well. Let me explain a little bit what I mean by that. Yeah. There's a tendency, I think, of of high performance. Um, I'm thinking of people who are in sort of high performance jobs, things that are very stressful or time consuming or attention, you know, demanding, to do sports and to do fitness, you know, as sort of a, a side sort of thing or or whatever. But they tend to pursue it at a high level too, and wanting to do all that they can in that thing. But what ends up happening is people sort of. Um, don't understand that to their body, stress is stress. And so if you're in a situation where you're in a really stressful job, a really stressful time at work, um, maybe you have even personal problems at home, you have some other thing going on, anything that is sort of stressing you out, as we would say in sort of vernacular terms, right? Mm -hmm. That is putting stress and strain on your body. And it is limiting your body's ability to like repair itself and to do all these things that it, it needs to to perform. And so if you're constantly under stress, you may not be resting, even though you, you feel like, well, I didn't train yesterday or I barely trained and therefore I'm resting. No, you really have to ask what kind of strains and what kind of stress is my body under? And, you know, frankly, training is only one, one of these types of stresses. And so it's really important to balance those stresses of life with the stresses of training. And in many cases, particularly for recreational athletes or for people who are exercising you know, for health and for wellness, uh, exercise may actually be a very potent form of stress relief. And that's great. But what can happen is you, you have someone who is exercising sort of for mental health benefits and stress relief and all of that. All of a sudden, they decide that, well, I'm going to jump in and do a marathon or I'm going to train for some specific event. And then all of a sudden, the mindset sort of changes. And instead of this thing being like uh, a pleasure, leisure time activity that you do for enjoyment, it becomes sort of another job or another thing that feels like an obligation. And that can really change, um, you know, how you are, are experiencing it as well. And so even though you may not 
um, end up increasing the amount of training by a large amount, the stress and strain that it's taking on your body might be increased. And so it's really important to just pay attention to how that training, that exercise is feeling to you, whether you're sort of giving yourself and your body downtime to relax in between bouts of exercise, in between, you know, whatever other stressors are in your life. And so I like to think of recovery as not just being something completely specific to sport, but really in a more holistic way that takes into account everything that's going on in one's life. And so you can really think about recovery from, you know, stresses of work, recovery from travel, all of these other things that are sort of placing demands on our body. Those things, you know, require time to, you know, give your body uh, just time to rest and relax. And it really is, you know, at the at the end of the day, recovery really is about rest and relaxation. So you have to be really careful about getting into situations where you've turned recovery into its own source of stress and this other obligation that you feel like you need to do and that it takes as much time and effort and energy as your training. Recovery should feel relaxing. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big Now that actually leads really well into the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about is which some of these little bit uh, kookier <laughs> recovery <laughs> devices that are out there. And I think uh, I agree completely if you're spending a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of time getting yourself to these spas, I guess yeah. you would call them the recovery spas that are popping up all over the place these days. Yeah. It, it is an added um an added stress on top of stuff so i know you went you've used a, a number of things that i've also used and i kind of wanted to get your your take on things maybe we can compare notes sure let's start with um with cryotherapy can you describe what that is just first off? Yeah, you basically stand in a metal drum. Uh, you're, you're in there naked and they turn on this liquid nitrogen and then let that out. And so it's extremely cold. It basically feels like standing naked in a blizzard. I don't know if that's what it felt like to you, but that's what it felt like to me. Uh, but you're only in there for a very short period of time, uh, less than three minutes, usually two to two and a half minutes seems to be pretty standard. And uh, yeah, it gets really cold. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's the it's the vapor, not the liquid nitrogen that's actually right. covering uh, you. Uh, Otherwise, you would freeze solid. But, yeah, I should yeah. clarify. So yeah, so it's it's the the very cold gas basically that's streaming up and and chilling your body. And the book you talked about how it gave you a bit of a, a boost, and you sort of felt. I don't think you said giddy, but that's the that's what I sort of took away from it. Oh yeah, I came out of there feeling like I was ready to kick some butt. I mean, it was really <laughs> it was quite. I, I would say it was an adrenaline rush. You know, it felt like that feeling you get. I like to hike and run in the mountains, and sometimes you know, on a hot day, I'll, I'll jump into a mountain lake, which is very cold, and it's you know, it's quite exhilarating. Um, but also, you know, there's this sort of that feeling of panic for a second too. And I, mm -hmm. this is a very similar thing. So it, it definitely gave me an adrenaline rush. It felt like something, you know, where you could really feel like, wow, something powerful must be happening here. Yeah. But then what was it about an hour later that had completely worn off for you and you were basically back to normal? Yeah. It wasn't very long lasting. And you know, the, the, the cell here isn't, you know, I haven't seen a lot of marketing around this, which is kind of too bad because I think, um, you know, one thing that does, it does seem really effective for is giving you this, you know, this adrenaline rush and it doesn't yeah. be marketed that way, but it's, it's marketed, you know, to increase recovery, to speed recovery. There's ideas that it's improving circulation and all of these other things. The guy at the place that I went to claimed that it could super oxygenate my blood, which is just <laughs> ludicrous, you know, a completely unscientific yeah. term. So there's a lot of, of claims that are made about it that just didn't pan out. I mean, I, I went deep into the scientific literature, found that there really wasn't much evidence for this. In fact, there have been so many like very egregious claims made about cryotherapy that the FDA actually put out some you know, consumer warnings at one point just to let people mm. know, like, don't believe all the hype. Um, but there's also pretty good evidence now. One, one of the ideas behind cryotherapy is the same idea behind icing and ice baths and things like this. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that it's reducing inflammation and that this is going to speed recovery and, and aid healing. But it turns out that that's not actually how it works. Um, if you are looking for better recovery, if you're looking, you know, to help your body heal, inflammation is actually a necessary part of that process. And so you don't yeah. want to slow it. And what you're basically doing is slowing, um, you know, the, the travel of these necessary agents, these inflammatory and immune system agents that are absolutely crucial in the healing process. So rather than expediting recovery, any kind of cooling, you know, whether it's an ice bath or cryotherapy, actually seems to actually impair it and to hinder it and, and slow things down, which is exactly the opposite of what you want. Okay, well, let's switch to the to the complete opposite okay. then and talk about infrared saunas. Sure, sure. So I was really interested. The word infrared just seems to appear all over the recovery uh, product. Oh, it's so sciencey. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so just such a scientific word. And, you know, it really is, is fairly meaningless. It's just a description <laughs> of a particular kind of, of you know, uh, heat. It's just the spectrum right. of light, isn't it? Right. It's just part of the infrared spectrum. There's yeah. nothing special about it. Uh, Tom Brady has these uh, infrared pajamas that, I mean, basically they're just <laughs> warm pajamas, but it sounds so much more scientific and high tech to say that they're infrared. And so what is an infrared sauna? It is basically just a sauna that you know, from my experience, it just feels a little bit cooler than a regular sauna. It isn't quite as hot. Quite a bit cooler. Yeah. yeah. It feels just above room temperature most yeah, of the time. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, a somewhat warm sauna, which, you know, can be pleasant. And personally, I find heat to be a very pleasant 
and yeah. nice thing for recovery. You know, and this goes back to the idea of if it's helping me feel relaxed and and um, feel good, that's working and that's legitimate. And we can say that sure. that's worthwhile. Um, is there something extremely special about about warmth that will aid recovery? Well, probably not too much. Um, heat does increase circulation a little bit. But the fact of the matter is most athletes do not have problems with, with circulation. And so, you know, increase mm. in circulation is going to have a, a pretty minimal effect. And, you know, there are other ways to accomplish this. Like, for instance, a warm down exercise is a really excellent way to increase your heart rate and your circulation. So circulation is just not the limiting factor here. But heat feels really good. And so, it, you know, if you are enjoying an infrared sauna and it feels good for you, go ahead and do it. I wouldn't recommend that someone go out and spend a lot of money on something like this if they, you know, if the only reason they're doing it is because they believe that infrared uh, you know, somehow has magical powers because I found in my research that it it doesn't, unfortunately. The sauna that I was using actually had settings that like one was like fat loss and the other one was detox. Oh, no. And- <laughs> Yeah, it was really like pushing this wellness sort of a, an aspect rather than just relaxation, which is really what I was using it for. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, uh, detox and flushing toxins and that sort of language is a real red flag. I mean, there's really, we don't need to do those sorts of things. Our body has very effective ways of of ridding itself of you know, bad chemicals and things we don't, we don't need. The idea that you're going to do something that will flush toxins or detoxify your body is just pseudoscience nonsense. So I would steer clear of any claims that, that have those sorts of wordings in them. Fair enough. Now, in terms of actually getting some relaxation, not that infrared saunas aren't, aren't relaxing, but I know you used a, a float tank. I did. And you seem to be a lot more, uh, a lot bigger fan of them than than I was. I had the the Homer Simpson um, <laughs> in in the book. You actually brought up the the Simpsons episode where they go and do the float tanks, and I was totally Homer. I was just laying there going bored, bored, bored. <laughs> yeah. But you actually, you really enjoyed it. I did. I did not expect that at all. I really expected to have the Homer Simpson experience, and I was dreading it because I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I thought it would be really <laughs> uncomfortable and and tedious and all that. But what I found is. I really enjoyed it. For me, it felt like a really pleasant sort of forced uh, relaxation or forced meditation, which I don't like what it says about me that I have to be forced to meditate. But it it kind of felt like that long moment when you're falling asleep and it was very pleasant. It just was a really nice way for me to get into this sort of hyper state of relaxation. And that was really nice. I enjoyed it. But I also recognize that it's not for everyone. And yeah, I think the takeaway here is not that floating is the magic bullet, but that, you know, every person should find some way and something for them that allows them to sort of get to the state, allows them to lie back and and relax. You know, massage is another really good way. Some people just meditate without the tank, right? Like these are things that you can do in a variety of ways. And I don't think that there's one correct way. The best way to do this is the way that works for you and the way that you enjoy. And that feels like something sustainable that you can continue doing because this rest and relaxation shouldn't be a special thing that you do only on occasions where you're feeling tired, but they should be things that are sort of part of your daily life. Every every person should have some part of the day that's dedicated to relaxing, where you're not feeling this you know, urgency or this pressure to be productive and to get things done and to you know, always be doing, doing, doing. There's some sort of beauty, but also health and, and well-being that comes from 
just sort of doing nothing, allowing yourself to just be. So what is it about active individuals that we are just, and I, I hate to pick on this, but I fall into this category as well, because obviously I've done cryotherapy, I've done float tanks, I've tried infrared saunas, I've done the online blood tests, I've done all of this stuff. But so I count myself among the suckers, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call us suckers for this type of stuff. Like, why do we go after all these supplements and these bars and these beverages when it really does sound like all we need to do is take a break? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of answers to that. One is that we seem to be living at this time where we've, we've sort of been sold this idea that there's a perfect version of ourselves that's, you know, just out there waiting yeah. for us to attain, you know, and it's just, if there's just one little weird thing we did, we could have it all and that would make all of the difference. And so I think on the one hand, it's this idea that science or these scientific, you know, th these things that sound very scientific, right, that there's some sort of breakthrough that they can offer us. But the fact of the matter is our bodies are really sophisticated, um, you know, machines, and they're actually quite good at making do at, under different environmental conditions. We're very good at adapting to different circumstances. And it turns out that the most important things that we need here are actually just the most basic and most fundamental. It's things like sleep, um, eating nutritiously, um, you know, reducing stress. But these are things that are sort of hard to master. And they're not, you know, even though on the one hand, everyone knows them and I've heard people like say that my book is boring because it just says, you know, sleep more and <laughs> things like this. But it's like, yeah, but most people don't sleep enough. And this is actually really important stuff. And, you know, I think there's a tendency to think, you know, I'd rather download an app or order this product than actually reevaluate my priorities and rearrange my life a little bit. Because some of the things that we need to do actually may sound simple, but they're not. I mean, even something as fundamental as getting a good night's sleep like every night and making that, you know, an important part of your day and not a special event or, you know, only on weekends sort of thing. That's not just a, a simple thing for a lot of people. It means rearranging some of the priorities in their lives. It may mean going to bed earlier than they ordinarily would. It may mean, you know, cutting out some other thing that's keeping you up late because, you know, the choices between you know, another hour on Netflix or getting a good night's sleep, your body really needs to sleep. But sometimes our brains aren't so good at making those priorities, right? Yeah, there is a, a spot in the book where um, I can't remember who you're talking to. I've got the quote here. It's, if you stick to the basics, you'll do fine. The problem is most people can't even do the basics. People are like, hey, what's the secret? I'm like, well, you train really hard, you sleep a lot, you eat well, and you repeat it a lot. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's really fantastic advice. And it's advice that, you know, no one wants to hear that. They want the magic bullet. They want the pill that they can take. They want the product that they can use. And I think the more that we can get away from that kind of sleeping, the better off we'll be in so many aspects of our life, not just with recovery, right? We're, we're sort of vulnerable to these claims in so many other arenas, too. Now, I wanted to ask you what your what the best way is to recover, but I'm pretty sure you've already <laughs> covered that. Um, so I'm not going to, to reiterate that. So instead, I'm going to ask you about when you were researching the book and you were going through all of this stuff, what was, was there one thing that really jumped out at you that, that you didn't expect? Was there an unexpected outcome or some sort of modality that, that surprised you in any way? Um, I think I was really surprised to find 
so little scientific evidence for the usefulness of massage. Yeah, that was a bummer. I found that to be the biggest bummer of the book. Well, I think think that's one way of looking at it. I mean, so look, there's not a lot of good scientific evidence that massage is doing something tangible that we can measure like in a something in your blood or or muscles or things like that. But I think one of the takeaways with this is not that massage is terrible and it's just a scam. It's that massage may have benefits, but the benefits are not sort of the things that we've been sold on it, right? So it's not, Hmm. massage isn't helping athletes feel better because it's flushing the lactic acid out of their muscles. Like, first of all, we know that lactic acid isn't what makes you sore. And probably by the time you're on the massage table, your body's already flushed that stuff out anyway. That's Lactic acid is pretty short-lived in your muscles. That's why I think the most of the manufacturers of those things have now switched to the the words um, metabolic byproducts right. rather than lactic right. acid, which is just another way of saying you know we're flushing out that gunk. And you know we're, we sort of that makes intuitive sense to us. I think that massage is helpful. It is good for recovery, but it's not because it's flushing something out of your muscles. It's because you're mm-hmm. lying there and relaxing for an hour and you're sort of checking in on your body and you're gaining this body awareness that is a really important tool and a, and a really important sort of sense for athletes to develop. And so it it's not helping you flush those byproducts or whatever, but it's just helping you feel good, take time out of your day. You're lying there. You're not running around doing other things you're not under stress. And I think sort of the potency of just that cannot be overstated. And I I wish that people would appreciate that a little bit more that you don't need the infrared, whatever it is, uh, to to relax. And that on the one hand, this stuff is actually really simple. I've, I've had a lot of people write to me and say, wow, you know, this has been really eye-opening for me. And I'm so glad to hear that I can sort of let go of all these anxieties that I had. I've been learning that a lot of people, you know, have become very stressed out about this stuff. And so getting, you know, my book sort of gives them permission to stop fixating on this small stuff that doesn't really make a difference and isn't that important and to really master the fundamentals, which again, is harder to do than it might seem. But it sort of makes things so much easier because you're focusing on the big things that matter instead of chasing those tiny little gains that probably are just always going to be elusive. Yeah, it's giving yourself permission once yeah. again to just relax occasionally. And and I at the same time, you do have a through message throughout the book that even though things aren't scientifically proven and and aren't actually doing anything in quotation marks, it doesn't mean you have to stop. Like you're not saying, you're not poo-pooing these things and saying like, you're an idiot if you do this. You can still do it, but just realize what it's actually achieving. Yeah, I think that's right. And there are very few things that I looked into that were actually causing harm or or seemed detrimental. Yeah, I think supplements was really the only one that jumps yeah. to my mind that you actually said, like, maybe avoid these because they could actually Oh, not you. maybe. You should absolutely. I mean, if there's one thing I hope people take away from the book, it's that there's just no good reason to take supplements. And there are a lot of really compelling reasons to avoid them. I mean, I recount in the book multiple athletes who've, you know, sat out Olympic Games and, and missed out on competition mm. because they were serving time for uh, you know, doping offenses for things that they ingested through a supplement, and in some cases, even through supplements, you know, provided by their sponsors. So the idea that you can, you know, ascertain some that are better than others is just, you know, so many of the raw products are coming from the same places. Um, and at the end of the day, there's just really no compelling evidence that any of this stuff is helpful anyway. So this is just another instance where 
wow, you can actually stop worrying about that stuff. Stop wasting your money on these products that don't work and could actually harm you and focus, you know, that money and time and effort on something much more helpful. Yeah, I guess to, to some things up in the book, you, you wrote the belief that there's some absolute perfect physiological state you can reach if only you do everything right opens the way to dubious products that use the language and jargon of science to exploit our search for the ideal. Yeah. yeah. I think that really, that sums it up sort of why, I guess, going back to my, why are we such suckers? Yeah, right. <laughs> kind of exactly. Question. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Get Fit Guy uh, podcast. I don't want to put any any words in your mouth, but it seems to me like you're you're saying that we just need to relax more. Exactly. Well put. Very well said. <laughs> now, where can people find you and find your book if they're uh, if they're interested in finding out more info? Sure. Uh, www.goodtogobook.com. You can find out all things about my book. Uh, my website is my name, christyashwanden.com. Um, those are the best ways to, to find me. On Twitter, I am Craig Crest. That's C-R-A-G-C-R-E-S-T. That's named after my very favorite trail run out here in Colorado. Awesome. Thank you so much. So I encourage everybody out there who's interested in this kind of stuff and does want to do a nice deep dive into, into all the science and pseudoscience and <laughs> non-science <laughs> yeah. and everything else around here to check out the book. I'll put links to all of the stuff we discussed in the show notes at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com. So thank you, Christy. Pleasure to be here. And another heartfelt thank you to Christy for coming on the podcast. That was really awesome. And I do encourage you guys to check out the book if you find yourself maybe leaning towards being a sucker like me. And don't forget to tune in next week because I'm going to give you guys an awesome push-pull workout and explain why you may want to incorporate this into your strength training regimen. It's going to be cool. My name is Brock Armstrong. I'm the Get Fit Guy asking you... Why are you letting your recovery days be stress days? If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel meet gail her thing is being a super mom and super mom has a lot on her supersized plate <laughs> ain't that the truth but at walmart pharmacy super mom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines we knocked it out during a grocery run no appointment that's next level super mom from pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply.